Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. Amen. 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 Coastal, it's good to be with you again. Oh, all these smiling faces. Uh, if you haven't met me yet, I haven't been here for a little while. Uh, you've got to hear some amazing speakers, though, right? Some amazing words have come forward this summer. And I'm just glad to be back in the house. We're going to start a brand new three-part series this morning on prayer, the house of prayer. So I don't want to take any more time. I want to jump right into it. The book of Matthew chapter 21 says this. Hold on. That ain't where I want to start. I do want to start right there. Yeah, 21 verse 12. Verse 12. I think verse 13 will be on the screen, but I want to read verse 12. Jesus enters the temple, and he begins to drive out all kinds of people that are buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over some tables of the money changers and the chairs of those who were selling doves. And he says this, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into what? A den of thieves. So my question, I've got a few questions for you this morning. What does this mean? What is this that Jesus is talking about, this house of prayer? I've actually asked this question to quite a few people. I've asked this question through the years. Uh, when you think about church, what do you think? Do you think that, oh, yeah, 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 that's a house of prayer? Is it the first thing that pops into your mind? How would you describe it when we come together, when we come to this place to worship? Do you think of a house of prayer? And if not, what are the things that you would do to change it, to, to make it more of, oh, no, no, yeah, yeah, that's a house of prayer. And I've come to this realization. It's one of those things that a lot of people think they know the answer, but they really have no clue. Because I've gotten all different types of, well, well, well maybe we could do this, or, or, maybe, or maybe, we, maybe we should just pray more. Or maybe it's just this head down, eyes closed, and then we just do that for a couple hours. And there's all these ideas of how it can look in their mind more of a house of prayer. And, and I'm thinking about this, and I'm, I'm hearing people's comments. And uh, in the last few months, I've been in the book of Isaiah for uh, quite a bit. And I'm realizing, and Isaiah just has so much beautiful imagery of a Savior to come. And, and if you've ever read Isaiah, man, he starts describing things, and you're just like, yeah, yeah, that's Jesus, that's Jesus, that's Jesus. And you just see it all over this book. But I got to thinking that if it was couple thousand years ago and we were in Isaiah's time and he was given these prophecies, we would be like, no clue what Isaiah's talking about. It'd be like, nah, what is he talking about? Lamb that was slain, all these things, uh, virgin births. All, I mean, it's got to mean something else. And so we look back and we think, no, no, we get it. But nobody else got it back then. It, it was just Isaiah prophesying to the people, like, no, this is what's going to happen. This is what it's going to look like. It's a little bit like our day with the book of Revelation, Right? If you talk to anybody, everybody has all of these opinions on what they think the book of Revelation means. And, oh, well, this trumpet means this, and this candlestick means this, and this means this. And, and all of the, oh, it means that this is what happened over in Saudi Arabia, and this is what's happening in New York. And all of these things that are trying to connect. And you kind of realize pretty quick on that you really don't know what you're talking about. Right? But, but you think you know what you're talking about because it feels like it makes sense. 
It's kind of like going to the Chinese restaurant. You think you knew what you ate. <laughs> Was it chicken? I don't know. Uh, it just tastes good, right? Right? What? And you can't even pronounce what you just ate. It was number 17. I don't know. I ate a number 17, and it was good, right? And so we come up with this idea, this, this is a house of prayer. How would you describe coming to church? If you had no idea of what, what, was, what someone else, an unbeliever, what, what would you say? What, is, what does that experience look like? Well, maybe some of you would say, well, there, there's, there's music, and, there, and there's a band, and there's uh, a, a, a really talented guy, and he's going to play guitar. He's going to sound really good. And, and then there's going to be this other guy. He's not that good, but he's just going to talk for a while, right? How would you describe it? It's like, well, it, it is music, but it's, it's worship. It, it, it's something completely different. It's, 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 it's not just music. It's not just music in this house. And, and, and it's not just a sermon Man, we open up and we read from the Word of God and the God of all creation who speaks. And we open up this Word, and so it's more. It's more than just somebody just talking and giving their opinion. No, 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 like it's the Word of God, and we're going to read it. And I'm thinking about this in Isaiah and this house of prayer, and I realize in the book of Revelation, the book of Ezekiel, there's two different times where they begin talking, and there's these prophecies and things to come. And there's this moment where it says, eat this book. Right? Have y'all ever read that? There's this part it's like, eat, well, books you read, but they're like, no, 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 you, you got to eat it. Like, this isn't going to taste very good. Like, no, no, like, no, 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 you, you've got to get it in you. you. You've got to get this in you, Lucas. You've got to get this in you, John. You've got to get this in you, Christian. It has to become more than just the words on the page. Jesus brings a lot of clarity when he says these words here. Uh, my house, it is written, it'll be called a house of prayer. Jesus puts a name on it. It's like there's all these other things that you may call it, but this is what I'm going to call it. If you roll down my road and you see my mailbox, it has my name on it. It lets people know, no, no, this is my house. Jesus is saying, like, when it comes to the church, it has my name on it, and my name, it'll be called this house of prayer. Like right now, I know, I know we call ourselves Coastal Church, but the truth is this is a house of prayer. This is, this is what Jesus put the name. And so and it begs the question, well, what is prayer? It's one of those things that for many of us, we just feel super guilty about because we know we should be doing it, but we're not. Or at least we think we're not. Because we have this idea, well, prayer is bow your head, close your eyes, and spend this moment, and then you don't know what to say, and then your mind wanders off. And then you fall asleep. And all these things, but you don't tell that to anybody. You just feel bad. Because I'm not a good Christian, because I didn't do that thing. And I don't know, it's so much more. It's so much more. It's this invitation to communion. It's this communion of, ah, oh, God, I'm here to meet with you. And Paul says, I, I pray continually. All, all of my day, everything I'm doing, there's this prayer. There's this prayer of worship. There's this prayer of work. There's this prayer of service. There's this prayer of life. There's this communion between me and the Father. And, and, and I am in him and he is in me. And all of this is happening. It's this relational connection. It's this place where we commune with God. Is that how you describe it to somebody who doesn't know church? It's this place in which I come 
and I'm completely emptied and at the same time completely full. I come here on a Sunday morning and all of a sudden there's something and just there's this emptying that takes place and then there's this filling. How would you describe it? This house of prayer, eat this book, it takes on lots of form. How would you define it? What name have you set on it? That's funny, in Genesis chapter two, Jesus, uh, uh, God, uh, Holy Spirit, all, they're making everything, all of creation's going together. Uh, animals are in place and all of these things and he's filled the earth and he looks to Adam and he says, listen, all of these animals are gonna come to you and you know what's gonna happen? You're gonna put a name on it. Adam, you're gonna, you're gonna name all of these animals. And the scriptures actually says, I believe it's in chapter two, verse 19. And it says, and God sat back and he looked to see what Adam would call it. Ooh, interesting. Because I, I know what I would call it. I'm, Adam, I'm gonna let you name these things. And so you could just see where Adam's, oh yeah, we'll call this rhinoceros. And we shall call this one frog and dog and cat. Wait a minute, I didn't make that. You'll get that one later. All of these things, and he puts this name on it, but what happens is all of this happens and everything is good. Uh, creation itself, sin hasn't entered the world, and, and so all of this is being properly named, and then all of a sudden sin enters, and then we as a species, as humanity, begin to misname things. We begin to misidentify things, and we're still naming things today, but we call them by their wrong names and in scriptures, like naming things, oh man, it's a big deal. Because oftentimes, we, when we begin to name things, we'll name them according to our experience or our expectations. So we have certain experience of our past, and then we have ex expectations of what things will do. So we begin to name things according to them. And, and it could be disappointment or joy, depending on what you experienced. Now, it's a little different because today, even when we name our kids, we don't name our kids based on the, the identity and the calling and this is what, no, no. We're just like, oh, that sounds really good. We shall name them this. And that's why there's these crazy, crazy, and, and in, the, in the scriptures, oftentimes, like, God has to rename people. Oh, yeah, you were Saul, but now you're Paul. And we're going to rename, and you were Jacob, and now you're Israel, and now you're Abram, and now you're Abraham, and you were Simon, and now you're Peter. All of this renaming place, because there's a proper name I need to call you, because there's a calling connected to this name. What do you name it? What do you name it? There's this, uh, we're going to read in Genesis chapter 28 in just a moment, but in chapter 26, Jacob Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob is going into these lands, and he begins to dig these wells. And he digs this first well, and as he digs the first well, these people come up to him, they start arguing with him about the well. No, no, you can't dig your well right here. And so he backs off, and you know what he names that well? Some name that I can't pronounce. <laughs> but it means this, it means the well of argument. Ah, he named it according to his experience. So he goes off into a di another different place. He digs another well. Some people come again, and they begin to say, no, you can't dig there, this well here. There's this fight. And so we know what he names the second well. He names the second well hostility. And so he goes off even further into this kind of desert place. He digs a third well, and nobody messes with him. And you know what he names this well? He names this well open spaces. Ah, this is an open space. No one's messing with me. Here it is. He names it according to his experience. 
his expectations, all this. And sometimes we come to church. Sometimes we come to Jesus. Sometimes we enter life. Sometimes things happen, and our expectation doesn't line up with our experience. And wait a minute. Hold on, God. And we begin to misname some things. Let's look at the book of Genesis chapter 28. I want to continue with Jacob and the story. And this is a well-known portion of Scripture. Listen to the words. Genesis chapter 8, beginning with verse 10. Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled forward to Iran. Now at sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp, and he stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and to lay down and go to sleep. What's that pillow made out of? Stone. I don't think we're selling many of those on Amazon. As he slept, he dreamed, and he lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from earth going up into the heavens, and he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. And at the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac. The ground that you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your, to, to your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And all of the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. Have you heard this promise before? Once more I am with you and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land and I will not leave until I have finished giving you everything that I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep, and he says these words, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid. And he said, What an awesome place this is. This is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. The next morning, Jacob got up very early. He took the stone that he had rested his head against, and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. And then he poured olive oil all over it. He named the place Bethel, which means the house of God, although it was previously called Luz. Then Jacob made this vow. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, journey, and if he will provide me with food and with clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshiping God, and I will present to God a tenth of everything that he gives me. So it's, there's this moment, and Jacob has this experience. He's, he's on this journey, and he's on his way to somewhere else, but he ends up in this place called Luz, which is translated this, uh, this uh, almond grove, these almond trees. But he said, no, 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 there's another name that I have for it, and we are going to call it Bethel. It is the house of God. It is the gateway to heaven. God was in this place, and surely I didn't know it. Now, here's the thing. He has this experience, and now Jacob knows it, but nobody else does. So now while Jacob is calling it Bethel, no one else is, because this place is still uh, ran by the Canaanites. And so for the Canaanites and for everybody else, this is just the place of Luz. This is, this is just simply some, some almond trees. And, and, and not even the children of Israel, because the children of Israel don't even really exist yet. 
It's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob has these kids, and then they spread out. It's hundreds of years later that all of this happens, and then it gets called Bethel. Right now, this is in the past being written about what's already happened. He says, this moment happened. God has shown me something that I didn't even know what was happening, and I've renamed this place. But the problem is everyone else still calls it by another name because they haven't had your experience, Jacob. For them, it's still just the place of lose. It's still just when it's just some, some almond trees. Jacob's trying to describe this experience, and it's kind of like us trying to describe the church, and you get it. Maybe you had an experience, but nobody else gets it. Have you ever had that moment where you're trying to describe something to somebody? You've had this experience. You've had this joy. You've had this love. And and, and you're just like, man, I want to share this with you. And you're doing your best to describe it to them. But they are clueless. Um, All all these years, uh, I have two daughters. And uh, I love to surf. Apparently, my kids did not inherit this love to surf. And just the other day, I mean, it's years of me. Come on, come on, girls, let's surf, let's surf, let's go out there, you're gonna love it. And so just the other day, uh, one of my daughters, her friend had a birthday party at the beach, which was amazing. We did not have to go to the kids' trampoline park. And we're at the beach and we're hanging out and there's all of these seven and eight, nine, 10, 11 year olds in there and they're all surfing. And I'm like, yeah, this is good. And, And I'm trying not to push it, but then my one daughter comes up to me as dad. Can I surf? And to which I said, absolutely. I've been waiting for this moment my entire life. And then we get out there and I start pushing her into the waves and she's having a blast. She's standing up on these waves and she's riding them all the way to shore. And she's there and she's with her other little friends and they're having a blast. And then she comes up to me and she says, Dad, can we do this some more? Yes, my prayers have been answered. I've been, what, you want a car too? You can have a car, whatever you want. <laughs> Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about, that moment, because she's experienced it for herself. But when you try to describe it, uh, and, and until, until, you, until you describe it, you've, you've put a, a wrong name on it. Because what happened is she had this experience years earlier that when I tried to take her surfing, uh, the waves crashed on her and the board flipped and it hit her in the head. So now all she could realize now surfing is just pain. (laughs) Surfing is like, if I go out there, I'm going to get hurt. And Jacob's here, and he's trying to describe this. And and see, you name things, but no one else gets it because no one else had the experience that you had. And so for you, man, this, man, this is a gateway. This is a stairway to God. But to everyone else, it's just an almond tree. It's just a place on the outside of town, this town, this, this lose. And if we don't have eyes to see, it'll never be more than an almond tree. If you don't have eyes to see, all it will be is a job. If you don't have eyes to see, all it will be was a Sunday morning church service. If you don't have eyes to see, All it'll be is a guy with a guitar playing a song. If you don't have eyes to see, maybe you'll fill in the blank with something else, and you'll call it by a different different name. 
If all we do is look at prayer is bow your head and close your eyes, I'm telling you, you're going to miss some of the best parts of this communion that God has for us. We have to look beyond the trees to see the stairway. The thing that you're searching for, the thing that your soul is longing for, hear this, it's right here, right now. And his name is Jesus. And you don't even know it, but he's right here in this moment. I mean, we just sang the song, nothing else. Do we mean it? Like, nothing else, God, but you. Because if, you, if you're not in this place, it was just a good band, and it was just some guy talking. But no, if you're here, if this is your word, if there's something, no, no, that means there's something more to describe. There's a different name that you have for it. This place is called a place of prayer. This is a house of prayer. It's where we meet and commune with God. And you know what? God does it with Jacob, too, at this place that they just, everyone else just call it, well, and, 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 and uh, I keep wanting to say olive patch. It's not olive, it's almond. An almond, an almond grove right here. No, he is something else. I will be with you. Listen, I know we have this idea like that Jacob's the man. Jacob's a manipulator. (laughs) Jacob does some really shady stuff to his brother. Like Jacob's got some issues and God's like, I see all of that and I still want you. I see all of the things in your heart. I see all of the, the, the things that you think about and no one else even knows those thoughts, but I still want you. I still have a plan for you. And even the land that you're standing on, I'm going to give to you. All of this. And there's nothing you've done because I've given this promise. And it goes way further back than you. It goes way further back than me, Lucas. It goes way further back than you, Jacob. Actually, this is a, this is a promise I gave to Jacob. Uh, this is a promise I gave to your father. This is a promise I gave to your grandfather, Abraham. As a matter of fact, it actually goes even further, further back than that. It goes all the way back to Jesus where God said, and the Lord said to my Lord, sit here until I make all of your enemies your footstool. This is a promise and an outworking of like, no, no, everything do Jesus. All of the glory, everything, all of this is an outworking of that. And so there's nothing that you could do to change that. Like I, my, my, it's just a matter of if you want to get on board with what I'm already doing. Because the story's already over. It just ain't finished. And we walk into that and we live into that. And here, here's what's interesting. This, this vision that he's given Abraham and Isaac and now Jacob, the truth is it's going to be hundreds of years until they start seeing some of this. It's going to be generations later. As a matter of fact, you're going to have to go through slavery. It's going to be hundreds of years in Egypt until like all of these, these things begin to happen. I want to read to you from the book of Judges. Because there, there's some things that happen along the way. So there's this promise to Jacob. Man, it's going to be like the dust on the ground. Oh, we're going to rename. God was in this place. Ah, Bethel. And if you get to Joshua, no, Judges. Judges, chapter 2, this is why I put bookmarkers. I have a lot of scripture this morning. Judges, chapter 2, it says this. 
Judges chapter one. <laughs> I'm really good with numbers, y'all. I don't know. Like, Judges chapter one, beginning with verse 22. Now, this portion of scripture, uh, the context, actually, if you read that, Israel fails to conquer land. So there's certain land as they're conquering and, and they're going in. Remember, generations later, hundreds of years later, they're going in, they're conquering the land, they're taking the land that God's promised. And there's these lists of different areas in which they failed to take the entire land. But then in 22, it says this. The descendants of Joseph, one of uh, Jacob's sons, attacked the town of Bethel, and the Lord was with them. So there's failure, failure, failure. Wait, hold on. The Lord's with them. And they sent men to scout out where Bethel, formerly known as Luz. And they confronted a man coming out of the town. They said to him, show us a way into the town, and we will have mercy on you. So he showed them a way, and they killed everyone in town except for the man and his family. Now, later on, the man moved to another land of the Hittites where he built another town. And you know what he called that town? Luz, <laughs> which is its name today. Hmm, that's interesting. So, so there's this promise that God has given the people of Israel. They're going to go in. They're going to take this. This happens generations later. They go in. They begin to take the. They're kind of on this losing streak. Now all of a sudden, no, no, there's a place in which God has put a name on it. So it's going to be called the house of God. They begin to, to take the land. They take this place. No, it, this is Bethel. I know everyone else sees it as just some, some almond trees. But no, this is the house of God. The one guy that escapes can't see past anything that he's seen before. And so when he gets into a new place, all he can call the new place is the thing that he came from the old place. Come on, if that ain't somebody's story up in here. Where, where all of a sudden you get into a new season of your life and all of a sudden things begin to go, but you don't even know the new name to put on it because you want to treat the new thing just like you treated the old thing. And so we just put this name on it in which God says, no, I didn't call it by that name. And until you start identifying things by their proper name, you'll just live into the thing that you call it. And why am I so miserable? Because you keep calling it miserable. Well, well, why is it this? Because you keep calling it by the wrong name. You've got to have eyes to see. You've got to have ears to hear. Now, there's a few more interesting things that happen here. Because when, Jake, when God is giving this promise to Jacob, if you look at the things that God's promising him, listen, I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to bring you back to this place. But then if you look at what Jacob says, it's actually something different. God says, I'm gonna, all these promises I'm going to give to you. But then Jacob makes this vow and says, yeah, if God, if you will be with me, God says that. Yep, I can do that. God, if you do protect me, yep, I will do that. But then Jacob says this, but also if you will provide for me with food and clothing. God ain't mentioned none of that. You see how he just threw that in there? Like, I have all these promises for you. It's gonna, your descendants are going to be like the dust of the earth. All the things are going to happen. And God's like, yeah, Jake, I love all that. All the protect me. And, promise, and also if you give me something to eat and something to wear. And what's interesting is God doesn't correct them. God doesn't like, no, I didn't promise that to you. Because I think there's this, I, there's, there's this real, like, I'm going to do that anyway. I've got you. As a matter of fact, Jesus makes it even more clear in Matthew chapter 6, 25. That's why I tell you the things. Don't worry about everyday life, whether you'll have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? And you're just stressing about these things. Here's what's amazing. Jacob has just had this revelation from God. Stairway to heaven has this, just, and he's still worried, but if I could get something to eat and some clothes to wear. Because you could have this experience with God and still have all these fears in your soul. Like all these promises, like man, kids, like the dust of the earth. But if you give me something to eat, 
Listen, I've got two kids. These jokers are expensive. <laughs> Feeding these kids, our grocery bill is like, whew. Alan, Pastor Alan's got five of them. It costs him like four million a month just to feed his kids. Some of y'all parents know what I'm talking about. Food's expensive, right? And like, there's this thing on Jacob's heart because like, like, imagine you're gonna have kids like the dust. Oh, that's an expensive food bill. You got that many kids because I got that. It's inherent to the promise. Don't even, the thing that you're stressing about, God's like, you ain't gotta worry about that. I'm I'm gonna take care of you. I'm gonna take care of all of those things. You've gotta look deeper than your fears to see the promise. You've gotta see past the almond trees. You've gotta look past your past. Because what happens if you're not careful, you will name things not according to your promise, but you'll name things according to your pain. Let me say that one more time. You'll name things not according to your promise, but you'll name things according to your pain. Because when our experience doesn't match our expectations, we falsely identify it. And then we live into this narrative and to this lie that it's always gonna be like this. And if you let it, your pain will paint a vision that you believe to be true. It'll always be like this. Well, you can't trust again because, well, if they hurt you and they hurt you, then they're gonna hurt you too. So, so don't, I'll just, you know, you're, you're, you're always gonna be behind. Come on, come on, Jacob, you're always gonna be trying to play catch up to your brother. And name literally surplanted, like to, to, to follow behind, to, to try and catch up. Like I'm always trying to, to, to compete with Esau. I'm always in a competition. And God's saying like, truth is you're not even in the right game. Jacob, when you're thinking like that, you're, you're not even playing the right game. You're trying to succeed at something I haven't even called you to do. Some, some of us are trying to succeed at things that, like, God hasn't even called you to do that. And what's, what's even more interesting is in life, some of us will succeed at those things, and we'll get everything that we were fighting for only to realize there's this emptiness in our soul. And I thought that, man, when I thought when I won, and I, and I thought when I beat my neighbor, and I thought when I had the bigger house, and I thought when my bank account was full, and I thought when I got all the respect, then I, then I thought I'd have these things, but you're not even in the right game. Because you're trying to succeed. I haven't even called you into this competition. Your competition is not your brother, Jacob. Esau is not your competition. And we're stuck, and there's this emptiness in our soul. And we go on, and we, we, we man, uh, we made it. Come on, we, we stuck it to that kid who made fun of us in high school. I'll show him. I'll, that bully who said all these mean things, or, or that parent, or that thing, that, and I'll show them. And we went off, and we became the CEO let me, let, me, let me give you a little secret that everyone knows that you don't know. Are you ready? Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody cares. Nobody cares. You're not even in the right game. You're trying to, come on, church, we're not in competition with the church down the road. Who cares if, if we beat them and blah, blah, that's not the game. That's not what God's even called us to. And we wonder why there's this emptiness in our soul because we begin to name things according to our pain. 
And then we have this idea when we have this vision, just like Jacob, man, all of these good things are going to happen. We expect the vision to be pain-free. It's not. It's not. Everyone's like, man, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you. All these good things are going to happen and prosper you. Yeah, that's a letter to people in captivity. That's a letter to a people that don't want to be in that place. And God's saying, make your house right here. Make your home in this place that you don't even want to be in and watch what I do with it. Settle down here. Uh, or, or, or Paul. Man, you know when, when God called Paul, it wasn't this like, oh man, you're going to change the world. You're going to write scripture. No, you know what Paul's calling was? Go get Paul. I'm going to show him all the things he must suffer for my sake. That's the call. See, like we want the, all the other good stuff, but we don't want to pay the price. So like we want this vision that Jacob had, but there's this realization it's actually going to take hundreds of years and you're going to have to go through slavery in Egypt. Yeah, all of this is going to happen. But there's some pain in the process. Just be careful that in the process, you don't name the promise your pain. See, I gotta be honest with you. I've had this promise from God about Brunswick County specifically and unity in the body of Christ. And I've been working diligently for the last 13 years to see some unity. But you know what God didn't tell me? He didn't tell me that you're gonna be rejected time and time again. That other pastors are gonna reject you and they don't wanna have anything to do with you and, and you're gonna get hate mail and, and all that. Like, but I don't care, I have a promise. And if I'm not, I gotta be honest, there's been so many times where I'm tempted to give up. I'm tempted to just, God, it ain't gonna work. Come on, these people don't know how to come together. We keep, we keep trying to compete with each other. We keep trying to fight over things that don't even matter. Come on, but I have this promise. And God, he who began a good work will see it through to the end. And even if I don't see it, I'm believing my kids are gonna see it. And I'm believing your kids are gonna see it. And he's the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. It's because the vision and the promise goes beyond me. And we have to live into that and believe that. And so I refuse to name it by my pain because I realize I'm just in process and you're just in process. And if all you see is the pain, all you'll see is an almond tree. And if all you see the pain, all you'll see is an addict. And if all you see is the pain, all you'll see is another church service. And if all you see is the pain, all you see is, well, this is just another marriage. It's just another kid. It's just another grocery pickup. It's just another job. And Jesus says, this is a house of prayer. And he comes in and he flips over some tables and he disrupts everything because you know what? You've called it by the wrong name. You've turned into this den of thieves and all of these things that, that, that you've done. You, you've gotten caught up with the gold. You've gotten caught up with the rituals. You've gotten caught up with the pain and you've misnamed it. My house, this house, this temple, it's a place where you come and you commune with God. You know what's interesting? The verse right after that, the verse right after this huge rebuke from the Lord of like, like all of these people, you're missing it. And then it says this, and those who were blind and deaf and needed healing came to him and they were healed. You want to see some people get healed? I do. Well, it means sometimes God's got to flip over some tables. Sometimes God said, listen, you got to understand, it ain't about the gold, it ain't about the bling, it ain't about all these things. This house is a house of prayer. And until we start calling it by its right name. 
some of us have gotten distracted. Jacob found himself in a place, I'm gonna ask the worship team to come back up. Jacob found himself in a place where he had a stone for a pillow. He had a stone for a pillow. Have you ever been in that spot? Where it just feels like, man, things ain't going right. All I got, man, is just, I got a stone for a pillow. But all of a sudden, that stone becomes soft. All of a sudden, he has a vision. All of a sudden, God speaks to him. And man, I thought I was down on my luck, but no, 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 God, you were in this place, and I didn't even recognize it. And I could rest. I could rest, even, even if this pillow is made of stone. I could pour some oil on it, and I could call it by a new name. Because God, you're in this place. I think today is the day where some of us need to set up some stones to remind us God's at work in this place. I was thinking this week of our church and our vision and our to be a people fully alive in Christ. And, and I realize there's, there's kind of a, a second part to that, that when you make that statement as if this is, this is the, the, the goal of what we're trying to be, to be fully alive in Jesus, the, the outworking of that is there really is no life outside of Jesus. Outside of Jesus, there, there is no other life that I would even want to live. Because if I just want you, and like Moses standing looking at the promised land, it's everything I thought I wanted, but if you don't go, we don't go. Because you are the promised land. This is a house of prayer. You're going to be tempted to give up. You're going to be tempted to call it just an almond tree. I want to encourage us this morning, set up some altars in your life, some places where you can retreat to and remind yourself of the promise. It's not always going to be like this. I think about Chris Stanley. He's laying on that hospital bed with stage four cancer. And the blisters have fried his neck and he can't even eat. He's having a hard time even swallowing. And the doctors bring in these other uh, uh, kids that are learning medicine and they, they look at Chris and this is what someone looks like right before they die. And he goes back into that hospital room, laying on that bed thinking, it's over. That's it. I'm dead. And his wife walks into the room and asks him the question that at some point in our lives, if it's not our spouse, it'll be the Holy Spirit or a friend or maybe this moment right now that'll be asked of you. Can you praise him now? Can you praise him when you have a stone for a pillow? When can you praise him when everyone else just sees an almond tree, but you see something more? Can you praise him when it's gonna take generations maybe to get to the fullness of that promise? Can you praise him now? Stand with me to your feet. I think it's time we start calling things by the proper name. I think it's time 
that we eat this book. I think it's time that we get so much into the word of God that it gets in me that it's not just inked on a page, but it's inked on my heart. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This house, it's a house of prayer. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, turn over the tables in our lives. Turn over the places in which we've called things by an improper name. We've labeled things according to our pain and our hurts. Remind us of the promise that we have in you and the hope and the plans that you have for us. Give us a vision because you're the God who keeps his word. You're faithful when we're not. And all of the things that we're worried about, the food we'll eat and the clothes we'll wear, God, you've taken care of all of that. And so we pause and we consider the birds. Hmm, how you take care of each one of them. We consider the flowers of the field and the beauty that are here today and gone tomorrow. Oh, and how much care you've taken care of them and adorned them with this beautiful and, mm. and Adam sat there and he began to name things and you sat back to watch what he would call it as you sit back now and you watch what we call it help us Lord to call it by its proper name if you're in the room this morning and you don't know him may today be the day of your salvation May today be the day in which you say, God, I'm yours. That's you, and you just feel that Holy Spirit tugging on you. The Father's just saying, come home, my son, my daughter, I love you. Come home, come home, I'm not mad at you. I love you, I want you, Jacob. I see all of you, and I want you. That's you, and you're in the room, just put your hand up real high. I just want to lead you in a prayer of salvation and surrender to Jesus Christ. Anybody in the room real high, I don't want to miss it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Everybody, please pray after me. Lord Jesus, I am yours. You are mine. I surrender all. God, fill my life. Fill my heart. Fill my mind. Jesus, I believe. Help my unbelief. Amen. Amen. Guys, give it up. We had two people in the house. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. They gave their life to Jesus Christ. The greatest miracle you ever say. Hey, before we leave. Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.